The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> Welcome to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I am your host, Tim. I am a sex educator. I identify as chaotically gay. And Sydney, I need your help with something. So apparently my boyfriend is telling me I am really bad with boundaries. Like, can you believe that? Like, that's what he wrote in his diary, no. which I stole. But like, I, also, like, I don't understand. Also, are you a sex educator? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you a sex educator? <laughs> I feel like that's one of the things that we learn about. I'm a sexy educator now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm a sex educator, but I didn't say I was a good one. Oh, sure. (laughs) You got me there. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, I'm truly garbage. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Anyways... (laughs) Uh, listeners, today on the show, I have a wonderful sex educator here. Uh, her name is Sydney Ray Chin. Hey, Sydney, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It is fucking hot in Philly today. Um, it's like, it feels like 90 degrees outside. So I literally showered before I came onto this podcast because I was like, I don't want to be drenched in sweat. You want to be drenched in other fluids, right? <laughs> yeah, just not, just not, just not sweat from the sun. <laughs> Ooh, girl, the sun Maybe is from truly someone else's bigger. sun, but not, 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 mm-hmm. not the sun. Not this sun. <laughs> someone else's sun. <laughs> not this sun. Truly, if there's any dads out there with a closeted son, please send them our way. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh no, I sent you to a coffee fit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my god. We love to have fun here. We love to have fun with other sons. <laughs> um <laughs> Sydney, so first I want to start, uh, tell us about yourself. So I am a chaotic bisexual, because when you said chaotically gay, I was like, yeah, I'm a chaotic bisexual. It's, it's the mood, it's the mood, it's truly a mood. <laughs> woman, queer person, queer woman person, I don't know. Gender's, gender's a mindfuck right now. Um, <laughs> and I empower pan-Asian non-cis men survivors of sexual and intimate partner violence to reclaim their wholeness and sensuality. Although right now um, I am working on reworking an offering into like a breakup kind of offering partly inspired by the fact that I was broken up with and also partly inspired by Olivia Rodrigo's sour album because it's (laughs) Ooh girl. Ooh, girl, that track, Good For You, she is giving me, like, this energy where I'm 28, and she is making me imagine a high school boyfriend who I'm getting mad at for no reason. And (laughs) I love her and hate her for it. (laughs) I know, right? With the album, she's 18, and I'm like, you understand my, my emotions when I was 21 and going through my first breakup with my first love and yeah so i'm like reworking an offering around that and it's gonna be a lot of fun because i've been texting my photographer friends and i'm like can we do a sour shoot i'll find a way to pay you i'm gonna do a crowdfunding campaign at some point after my work break after my two-week work break because i need that Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and i'm so excited for it because i'm like 
you know what? Why doesn't society celebrate breakups? Because that means that everyone has good boundaries. Oh, right. I mean, why not? Like, I hate that, like, we celebrate weddings, but where's the divorce celebration? I want to see, like, couples who are splitting up, like, come out of the divorce court with, like, champagne. Like, finally, I hate you. And I made it an official document. Bye, oh my god wait have you seen the have you seen that um it's a parody of that wedding dance song i mean problematic song by chris brown but oh. mm. there's a parody of that song but it's like the divorce court version and I'm, <laughs> you made me think about that with like just champagne and everyone dancing and like yay they got divorced <laughs> i love they chose that. themselves I love that. You choose yourself before you choose anyone else. That's so cute. We need to celebrate breakups and divorces or annulments or splitting up. However, we need to celebrate that more often. I swear. Where was my celebration really when I do. got dumped? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, Sydney, I wanted you on because I want to talk about uh, consent and boundaries because i know you have a workshop on that so first i want to define what is the difference because you separate the two very specifically what is the difference between a consent and a boundary so a boundary is like for me at least how i define it personally is like okay is this something that's within my capacity that i have like mental capacity, physical capacity, emotional, what's the other one? Spiritual, I guess. There's like five of them, I feel like. Um, whatever, all the five senses of capacity. And then consent is when, at least in my mind and what it means to me, is that consent means that there is like an equal, like light bulb type of moment of like, yes, we're affirming to do X, Y, Z, whatever that is. Or affirming to have a, like, a conversation about something deeper or something like that because a lot of people just think consent is around sex which yes it's true but also consent is around all these other areas of your life like emotional consent and that's how how in the last two years i've cr created deeper friendships and relationships in my life and connections because now i'm able to check in on my capacity and think okay this is how much capacity like these are my boundaries right now this is what I can give to someone. And this is like, if I don't consent to that conversation, we're just not going to have that right now. Or we might have it later, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Emotional that's consent. So, that's so like, I mean, because personally, I just never put that together. Because something small like that, that's like not sex related, you kind of just go on with your daily life and just think, Oh, okay. I guess I'm just gonna do this and do that. But like in your workshop, you talk about like, um, and I'm reading your website. Uh, the description says uh, the workshop delves into how consent and boundaries deepen relationships, engage in honoring our unapologetic selves, and think critically on how the systems impact our interpersonal relationships. And that that just sounds like whoa you never really think of that like as a as an everyday thought so can you talk more about what you're referring to when we use consent and boundaries to deepen our relationships and how the systems like what are the systems and how they Im impact our interpersonal relationships yeah as a woman of color oftentimes i think about how much emotional labor the woman of color i grew up with and like my ancestors have done, especially for men of color within community and especially in Asian communities. Oh my God, there's mm -hmm. too much of it. Um, and that's what I mean by like deepening interpersonal relationships because there's these gendered expectations around who does who lacks consent automatically because of who they are or their perceived gender identities and whatnot. Um, and instead like flipping that on the corner and for, especially for like women of color and non-cis men of color, particularly who identify as femmes, um, for them to honor their whole selves, which sometimes means saying no, because no is a full fucking sentence, which apparently a lot of Asians don't understand that no is a full fucking sentence. <laughs> no is like, maybe later, maybe. 
or is like or, or do they have to go all cutesy and be like no Mm-mm, no <laughs> it's like it's like you can't say especially like to asian elders you feel like or at least i grew up feeling like i could never say no even when my body was saying no but i would say yes anyways because i felt obligated to and so flipping those gendered expectations to create relationships that are really, you know, founded in authentic self and also founded in like, this is where my capacity is at right now. This is what it is. Um, because that was something that I didn't know growing up. I just saw many women in my family, especially just saying yes, especially to the cishet men in my family. <laughs> and then I internalized that. And in my first relationship with my first love, like I made myself smaller for him because I thought that was what I was supposed to do. And then, and then thank God that we mutually broke up because that kind of set the catalyst for where I am here or where, why I'm here today, like on this podcast. <laughs> oh my God. I almost got married at 20 or no, almost got engaged at 22. Ew, a man. He was like 25. Man, he was like 25 at the time, and I'm like, uh, glad I didn't do that. (laughs) Yeah, to a man. So gross. This man almost. Ew, I cannot (laughs) imagine. Could not be me to have to commit to some guy. Ugh, gross. Ugh. That gives me (laughs) the chills and like my gag reflex, which I don't have actually was almost here <laughs> yeah i almost got engaged at 22 oh my god but also oh. that connects to like polyamory and like we could there there i'm sure we'll get into it somehow with this conversation oh for sure <laughs> yeah because like it's just something that people don't don't give a second thought because um when someone says consent boundaries it automatically means sex so how the how do consent and boundaries appear outside of the bedroom what are some examples that we don't normally think of in an everyday conversation that require good consent and good boundaries like in everyday conversation something that i can think about with consent and boundaries like i feel like politics is really heavy especially for like black indigenous and other people of color because like i don't know for me that stresses me out so if someone's going to talk about that they need my consent because that that's just like that's a lot of also i'm just like i don't have the brain capacity to think about all this politics all the time Mm -hmm. sometimes i just Mm want to escape to gossip girl and just watch it oh girl (laughs) my escape is like every single streaming service disney plus netflix prime video just binge it all i get it um but yeah and then Another form of like consent and boundaries in like everyday life that I can think of is also like touching someone's shoulder or just like, oh, especially in COVID. Oh, this is a good one. Especially in COVID. Not everyone wants to give each other hugs because you don't know if people are vaccinated. You don't know what this is like, what they're doing, which is perfectly like, like that makes sense. And so asking for a hug. And also some people just don't like hugs. (laughs) There are people that I met that just don't, that aren't hugging people so Mm -hmm. like that's another like thing that is expected in some cultures especially in asian cultures and communities Mm -hmm. you're always expected to like hug your aunties and uncles but like Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't Mm -hmm. want to (laughs) yeah just like ew please do not touch me i hate like just when someone puts their hand on my shoulder i automatically jump and i'm like who the hell was that oh god like i've swear to god i've tricked myself into thinking there's like a ghost behind me right now i know there isn't because i can see it on the video feed but like i swear if we there wasn't any video i think there's a ghost behind me oh god oh that is that's wild um yeah so how do we go about finding our good consent and boundaries like how do i know i have good consent and boundary skills like Is there a way to reassess what we have in our tool belt? So in our tool belt, something that I like to use is journaling, just like thinking about what my boundaries are and like what that can look like. Um, And also embodiment. Like when you feel there's something wrong in your gut, listen to it. 
because we're often told in like society, especially in like communities of color and Asian communities, especially um, to not listen to our gut, to like, just go, just keep, keep going. Just like, which also is like a problem tied to capitalism. And I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of Asian <laughs> communities and spaces that are just so tied up in internalized capitalism that you have to like unfuck that for yourself by like slowing down and really listening to your body to see what it needs and see if a boundary feels good for you or if you need something different with the boundary and just like reflect on it. And we don't do that often in like Asian spaces. So just like reflect on like Mm -hmm. how your body feels. It's just like, Mm -hmm. especially East Asian spaces that I've been in, it's just go, go, go. I'm just like, that's not, humanly possible that's that's also not healthy so where do you think that comes from like why is there so much grind culture within our own spaces because like even for me like in a filipino family uh my parents tend to like downplay mental health like i told them i go to therapy it's like why don't you just feel happy and i'm like that's what i'm trying to do (laughs) you know (laughs) i think it's the unchecked like intergenerational trauma i know my family personally like escaped the cultural revolution back in china and like none of my grandparents like talk about it like it seems like it scarred them a lot and thus we don't really talk about mental health and so all that goes unchecked and then the need to like i feel like when you're traumatized in that way at least when i've been traumatized by sexual violence i just wanted to just like keep doing things and keep going at life like nothing was happening so i feel like that's where it comes to play where you have intergenerational trauma so then everyone's doing the grind culture thing and it's not healthy because you're avoiding the thing that you really need to look at avoidant attachment theory oh my god where we just like ignore the problem at hand and hope it dies down oh that is my kink Uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love it. Also, my kink is like literally, don't touch me. I would rather see you with your clothes on. <laughs> like, keep your distance. That's my consent and boundary. Just like, ooh, the more clothes we have on, the hotter we are. Like that scene in Friends where Joey is wearing literally all of Chandler's clothes, and I'm like, oh, that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't don't try to look as unsexy as possible. <laughs> Oh, truly sexy to me. So what does a poor, a poorly set boundary look or sound like? Like, I think my boundaries are pretty good, but could they be better? Like, say I, I just like, I'm what complacent in someone putting their shoulder or putting their hand on my shoulder. Is that like, you know, acceptable? Like, I want to get your thoughts on that. I think like poorly set boundaries, at least in my experience too, is just like saying yes when your body's not saying a full yes, but saying yes anyways. So like saying yes because you feel obligated to. Like I feel like that's a poor boundary. And sometimes that does come up in life. I mean, I'm still undoing shit. (laughs) Years of internalized Mm. racism and all this Mm. other like misogyny towards myself Mm. um that i still say yes sometimes especially especially with asian elders to like do things for them because Mm. i feel obligated to because that's Mm. what i've been taught is like what you're supposed to do even though you might not want to do it (laughs) where i'm just like should i go to this meeting this party this gathering even though i'm so totally drained but like you you're trying to balance out your own energy plus like quote unquote social obligation Mm. like uh that's so exhausting i'm already tired just thinking about it like seeing things reopen (laughs) it's making me feel tired (laughs) oh it's making me anxious i'm like "Mm." you know what, the U.S. and Canada are not, we're just not Vietnam, Hong Kong, or one of those countries. Mm -mm. I don't know why we're reopening so quickly. Even Mm -mm. they're not reopening that quickly. Oh my god, right? Why why are we, like, so, like, anxious and, like, 
we just want shit now like open the mall open the restaurants and like open it like why i like being home and personally i like you know riding the subway when there's absolutely nobody there and you're not squished up like a sardine and i'm like i like this i can get used to this i fucking hate people and this confirms it (laughs) same right i don't know how to socialize after a year in covid i'm like uh how do are I you want supposed to? to meet people? I don't know. Uh, how do we even talk to people? I'm just like, I'm way too introverted to just like, you know, my social batteries drain the moment I step out of the house. And I'm like, ah, can I go take a nap on a park bench somewhere and just not talk to anyone ever in my entire life? God. Ugh, gross. So what? does it look like in our body at least or from like an outsider perspective even when boundaries are crossed like what are some red flags to look out for so like something that i like as a survivor something that i keep in mind is like the flight freeze wait fight freeze shit fight flight freeze another f or something (laughs) Flight freeze, and then there's another one. Flight, yeah, fight, oh, fight, 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 yeah, fight, flight, freeze. There Responses, and like for me personally, if I'm freezing, that means that my boundaries are probably being crossed. That it's not a good thing, and my body feels unsafe. For some people, it could be the flight response. For some people, it could be a fight response. But for me, it's always been a freeze and start disassociating response. And also, I'm someone who has PTSD, so, like, when I start disassociating, that's when I know, oh, shit, okay, this may not be the right thing for me. My boundaries may have been crossed. Gotta have a conversation. (laughs) And, like, that's just such a strong reaction. What's the logic that goes on in the person's brain when they either fight, flight, or freeze? To be honest, I don't know because I work from personal experience, so I don't necessarily have like the academic background. But for me, it's always about like, how do you feel in your body? If you feel like there's something wrong or if you're frozen or if you just like are staring into space, that may be something to look into. I have no idea about the brain chemistry behind it, but I'm sure there's (laughs) books on that. (laughs) <laughs> but like you you speak from experience right so uh when your boundaries are crossed how do you personally react or how are you aware that your boundary has been crossed so for me when consent and boundary or like my boundaries are crossed i usually have like a freeze response but also there's like people who have flight or fight responses and it obviously varies dependent on the person or maybe you have all three i don't know But for me, it's usually like the freeze response. That's when I know from personal experience that, oh, shit, my boundaries have been crossed because I can't even like move or talk. Um, And it's kind of like a, I guess it would be a panic attack. I don't know what the exact terminology is. But Mm -hmm. like when I have like panic attacks or like disassociate, I won't talk. Like I'll have trouble talking. I'll freeze and I'll literally just like, be in whatever freeze position and just stare into space until I can like collect myself and start like grounding myself again. Yeah. But like for some people who are not aware that they can, you know, collect themselves, is there like some sort of like severe reaction that comes up in the body? Like do they just like dissociate forever? I mean, not forever, but you know what I mean? Like do, do they just stay in that state of shock for i don't know how long like does it have a reverberating effect on their life in the long term i mean personally from personal experience with sexual violence and specifically sexual trauma it did have like a long-term effect in terms of like trigger warning content warning like misuse of alcohol like after that whole flight and fight or no not flight like uh freeze after the whole freeze response that i had like three years ago i just started partying like wild because i was trying to not think about things and also this again relates to like what we were talking about with grind culture where you just don't want to think about these things and so you just like focus on other things um 
And also, like, I feel like personally as a survivor, there's no, like, set date for recovery. I don't think there will ever be. I just know that after trauma, like, my, I don't have the same capacity that I did three years ago. Like, trying to look at an academic paper now, I'm like, because I thought about going back to school at one point, like, a year ago. And then I was like, no, I don't think I could handle all those academic papers because, like, the brain chemistry, you know, changes. And for me, like, my capacity to, like, look at things that I, like, used to look at in undergrad when I was still in that brain fog, like, can't do it anymore <laughs> after processing trauma. It's just not the same capacity. Right. Oh, so, like, after the incident, like, you just notice all of your faculties, like, take a hit? Yeah, after like processing it pretty heavily in therapy, like the last two years, my like capacity has gone down and like my PTSD can flare up really, really badly sometimes to the point where like I just have low capacity in terms of like functioning and like even like showing up to things and whatnot because like my brain just literally hurts <laughs> mm -hmm. like thinking about mm -hmm. things. And that's why right. I'm also like in group things because it keeps me accountable even with things that I want to do. But it's just, again, it's so, there's a lot of shit that people <laughs> don't think or like happens to victim survivors after sexual violence, but do actually happen and alter your life completely. <laughs> what are some, besides your personal experience, like what are some of the things that you've noticed like with the attendees of your workshop? What are some of the common patterns of, thinking or like uh common phrases or words that you see in people who have their boundaries crossed a lot of people pleasing comes up a lot of like really yeah a lot of people feel like they have to please other people I, like i see that come up like oh i'm not sure if i can say no like it's scary um and also like i'm trying to think about what other things come up uh, particularly with like Asian communities that I've held this workshop in, it's been a lot of like, oh, this is something that I haven't learned before. Like that's the overall thing. Like I, in one of the workshops that I held like a year ago or an iteration of this workshop that I held a year ago, there was like a 30 something, 40 year old who was like, this is the first time that I'm learning about consent and boundaries. Really? Yeah. At that I, age? Mm-hmm. I was Whoa. shocked because I was like, wait, I'm literally 22, 23 teaching people that are what? Like that. And then um, like just people also in my like life, in my personal life who are older than me, they don't know what consent and boundaries are, especially like Asian people in my life that are older than me. Oh, my God. So how did that uh, that lady like... Uh react in I, I guess what i'm trying to ask is like how did she not know about this at such a later stage in her life and what was it like for her to pick up on some new skills on consent and boundaries i think it was empowering for everyone in that space to pick up on consent and boundaries and i also think it has a lot to do with like the sex education or well really lack thereof of sex education in the United States and in Canada, because I don't, I remember growing up, we did not talk about consent in sex ed. In fifth That's grade true. That's or true. seventh grade. So I assume, I mean, obviously I don't know this person's story because we didn't get to dive that deep into it. But um, I would assume because most of the people who attended grew up in the U S and, or in Canada, like they didn't learn about it because it wasn't in their school's curriculum mm -hmm. and my sex ed curriculum was literally like penis and vagina sex and you should only have sex when you're married and you should only have sex if you're going to make a baby and anything else is wrong oh god also mm -hmm. mine was about like stds and stis and stigmatizing them and just like mm. you shouldn't this is what it looks like i'm like so do we really need to see a picture like there were other and this was at a progressive quaker school oh god and, uh, <laughs> so we couldn't, we couldn't have talked about consent come on y'all oh my god i remember i saw this quote somewhere i forgot who said it i'm sorry but please take credit who if you're listening to this but um the quote was like 
teaching sex ed that's strictly about STIs is like teaching a cooking class that's all about just salmonella. <laughs> oh, God. Right? Oh, my God. That's such a good analogy. Right? I mean, like, when are we going to get to the fun parts of cooking or the fun parts of sex? I can't just learn about bacteria and germs and everything. I need more. Come on. Let's get to it. Yeah. Like, honestly, I didn't get good sex education until I some accidentally, well, accidentally became a sex educator because I I went to film school. So I did not think that I would be... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> doing what I do right now. I, but I don't I mean, regret that I'm doing what I do right now because it's so empowering. Honestly, I am on the same path. Like, I graduated from music business management and now, like, I'm here. So every sex educator has a really cool story and, like, a really odd path. But we're all kindred spirits, you know? <laughs> also, so many of us are, like, former theater kids and I'm like, this makes sense. This makes sense. <laughs> I'm like, oh, right. Yep. Makes sense. <laughs> to oh me, at least. Because we're extra and we're like very flamboyant and just like so out true. there. It's we're so just gonna, true. We're just going to let our hole like out into the audience and just like, look at my ass. And then, then. <laughs> Which is true. It I is true. It. <laughs> and a lot of sex educators just happen to be queer. That's and also that's very right. true. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Love that for us so much. Uh, <laughs> um, I want to shift the topic just a little bit into consent and boundaries when uh, handling children or handling, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> like an animal, <laughs> like with a with a, one of those things that you use to grab snakes, like a oh, hook. <laughs> oh my god, that could be no. Um, when consent and boundaries when uh, talking about it to kids do you like have any insight on that like um, how do I talk to my kids about consent and boundaries so that they know how to create better connections with other people or like tell a grown-up if their boundary has been crossed I'm gonna recommend some other people because there are like people who specialize in this um also, I think they're both. Wait, no, one of them's from Canada. Nadine Thornhill oh, yeah, has yeah. done um, work with consent and parenting. So follow her, and then also follow Melissa of Sex Positive Families because they're super great at that. But what I have learned from them is like, and also something I think from my own experience that I've learned is like the idea of people owing each other shit. That's like. You know, especially in Asian cultures and families, um, that's something that I think about consent-wise or lack thereof of consent in some spaces and communities. How like, oh, I was taught that I owe X, Y, like elder people stuff, elderly people, um, what's it called, Ever, or anything because of file piety, um, but yeah, I think that was something that was debunked by both Nadine and sex positive families for me. And then also just something that I started to think about myself this year for some reason, mm-hmm. as I started mm-hmm. doing like reparenting myself and work around that. Reparenting yourself? Aww. Yes. <laughs> like you have to watch out for your own because your parents or parental figures, whoever never gave you that, that, what is it that need they never your needs were not met oh god yeah it's a process but Mm. i think my like family is coming around to trying to understand consent and boundaries the way that i do i mean obviously it's gonna take time but i'm just glad that it already started happening and that my parents are like starting to see where i see things i mean we probably won't see eye to eye and my love language probably won't be the same as any of my uh as either of my parents but at least they're learning so mm-hmm. i'll give them that <laughs> was that a difficult dialogue to start yep it was a very difficult dialogue to start <laughs> mm, i bet what does that what did that uh, sound like or like what are some of the things that that came up um 
Well, I was dating someone at the time, so my parents were not very, uh, they were making prejudgments on this person without meeting mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. and then projecting it onto me and saying that this is how the real, like, you don't know this person, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, just because we met on a dating app, which by the way, happens in 2021 because we're in 2021. Really? really? <laughs> really? Dating apps? What is this dating app that you speak of? <laughs> I, as a gay man, have never been on a dating app. <laughs> um, so that's how the whole conversation started because they didn't necessarily understand my boundaries around that and were just wanting to be in that relationship space when it was happening. And that was just like, no, like that's, that's no, this is making me stressed out. Mm, and so then we had to have a talk about that and right. now i'm in therapy with my mom and i'm glad that that's happening <laughs> oh that's good i like that family therapy yes oh i like that i wish i had the i had the guts to go to therapy with my family but i'm like nah let me work on myself first and then they can go find their own therapist because i like mine you know <laughs> i've been in therapy since 2018 and i don't plan on stopping anytime soon and i'm like loving it uh you know she's on a road to self-discovery heeny oh god i love it just learning more about myself and also like i find that therapy does help in the more that i discover myself the more that i know like this is who i am and this is not what i'm going to compromise in order to please other people and what's interesting about that is the um, how do you say it um that can kind of come off as rude to people mm. when i say mm. no when i say i don't want to do that i don't want to go to this party and they're like what's wrong like did we do something and like literally you did nothing wrong i appreciate that you invited me but like i'm just drained and i just don't want to be around that many people and i don't want to go like i'm not trying to be rude i'm just trying to like fucking recharge i want to stay home and masturbate <laughs> so relatable <laughs> <laughs> right like let me just hang out with my hitachi magic wand and put on a porno and you guys can go drink and party i love that for you but this is how i want to spend my friday night please I just want to spend my Friday nights eating dairy-free ice cream and watching Gossip Girl. Ooh, girl. It's the I'm lactose gonna... intolerance for me. <laughs> I'm probably going gonna... to do that tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I love that for you. <laughs> to just have Gossip Girl. Are you watching the reboot? Uh, Wait, the reboot's on HBO Max now? Oh, okay. Because I heard like the reboot is like super totally queer. And I've never actually watched the original Gossip Girl with like Blake Lively in them. So I'm thinking maybe I should give it a chance. I'm going to watch the reboot. I don't know when it comes out, but whenever it comes out, I'm going to watch it because I know that there's more people of color in it. And I'm just like, great, good. <laughs> and apparently, and also, they look their age. <laughs> yeah, they look their age finally. Um, <laughs> but I like indulging in the regular Gossip Girl because. Um, I'm just like, oh, I can focus on rich white people problems <laughs> <laughs> and, and and watch them watch them uh, worry about their rich white people problems as an escape. That's honestly, I find that kind of therapeutic. Like when I watch 90 Day Fiance and <gasps> I'm listening to straight people have arguments oh, and their relationship breaks down, that is my therapy. Like, when I, I'm in between sessions, I'll watch, like, 90 Day Fiance or Rich Kids of Beverly Hills or, like, literally anything on TLC or E. <laughs> TLC. Like, Dr. Pimple Popper. Ooh. <laughs> that shit hits. Okay, 90 Day spot. Fiance. Rose from 90 Day Fiance. I'm proud of her. And mm. also, she's iconic. And yes. also, Ed just needs to 
fuck no off. No neck, Ed. <laughs> oh my god, he just needs to fuck off, dude. Oh, no, you're not you attractive. Should, you should hear you're how much slander. <laughs> you should hear how much no neck Ed slander exists in the Filipino community. It is the best when you hear about like how ugly he is, and like how dare he take his shirt off, or like look at how he resembles a sweaty potato when he took off his shirt. And I'm just like, I'm here for it. I love it. This is our people. We are united in something that we all hate. <laughs> Which is him. Which is him, I know. I'm uh, like, but... oh, God. Oh, my God. There's so much cringe compilations of him, and I'm just like, that makes sense. He just needs to stop dating 20-somethings. Sir, you are 50-something. Stop it. Uh, I mean, I so badly want to say that he should die alone, but everybody deserves love right yeah but also he puts mayonnaise in his hair and i'm just like that is the whitest thing that i've ever heard someone do that is a boundary i will not like compromise ew (laughs) absolutely disgusting oh my god okay um shifting the conversation back i really love that little kiki there but um yeah like when I say things like no or like I just don't want to and people think that's rude, I'm just like, that's just me. Like, I don't want you to think that I'm being an asshole because I'm not. Um, I recently read a tweet about like how there's a difference between being kind but not necessarily being nice. And I really like that. Mm. And I brought that up to my therapist about like how, um, uh, and listeners, you can like listen to this or you can read about this on my blog uh, about like how it's just being nice is not enough for me. Like we have to start being kind and not necessarily nice because kindness is coming from a place of compassion, but nice is coming from a place of empathy and like being empathetic is like oh are you okay like is there anything i can do for you are you gonna be fine that's people pleasing right but whereas Mm -hmm. compassion and kindness come from like okay i'm gonna check in with myself i am uh, feeling this am i in a place where i am available to hold space for this person if so how do I best lean in to help or to be of service or to just be there for the person? And I kind of like that a little more because not only does it help us, but it also helps them help help other people find their own way. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, fuck being nice. <laughs> or uh, in the words of, of Megan Thee Stallion, fuck being good. I'm a bad bitch, you know? Like, <laughs> That that is my new motto, and that's what I'm gonna live with for the rest of my life. And people don't like me being nice, then you can go fuck off. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> oh God, if only people had the same boundaries as us, right, Sid? Like, right. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> but we live in a world that does not teach that because capitalism. Preach. Mm, so, okay, from someone that is that is not in a place of good consent and boundaries and they're listening to this conversation be like how do i become like sydney and tim what is the first like stepping stone in finding a place of where you can start to like respect yourself to start to have strong boundaries I think asking yourself the important questions, following sex educators like myself and you who like talk about consent and boundaries, um, shameless plug, buying my workbook before I retire. (laughs) 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 Before I retire this iteration of it, um, around consent and boundaries, um, but mostly it's just like asking yourself and like really like having those hard conversations with yourself because I mean, they're not easy conversations and also it's going to mm. come up a time and time again. It's not going to stop. Um, Cause mm. I feel like I learn about new boundaries that I have every single day and like mm. what feels good and different. Cause I'm a different person every single day. Cause we're all growing. <laughs> as I was actually going to, 
<laughs> I was actually about to ask that, like, is this just an overnight thing? Does it happen overnight or is it more of like long term until the day we die type of thing? Oh, hell no. It does not happen overnight. Um, I think it's a every day till the day we die type of thing. Like I've been learning about boundaries and consent for like the last two years that I've been working with my therapist intensely. And I used to go to like therapy weekly because I was so traumatized and did not know what happened to me. Um, and now I go to therapy bi-weekly, yay. <laughs> um, which is a huge accomplishment. Um, but yeah, it takes time. It's taken me like two years and I'm still I'm still learning everything new. Even mm. though I teach it too. In workshops, mm. I learn new things too from like the people who come. And I'm like, oh, that's a way that I wouldn't have thought about boundaries before. Oh, my God. Wow. There's just so it's just an ever evolving uh, conversation with yourself, huh? Yep. <laughs> I just talk to myself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Same here, because I have zero friends. No, I'm kidding. Um, so rewinding a little bit back to earlier, because um, you brought up polyamory. Uh what does that look like? Because I feel like in polyamory, in polyamorous relationships, consent and boundaries is like way more important in that type of relationship rather than like a, a closed monogamous one. So have you like experienced uh, issues surrounding consent and boundaries in polyamorous relationships? So I've never been in a polyamorous relationship. <laughs> or like in like a client uh, perspective or someone that you know. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, wait. <laughs> this was before that breakup happened. But mm. I was having a conversation with my now ex-boyfriend because mm. uh, <laughs> he dumped me, which is fine. Because uh, mm. now I can have um a hot vac summer. Um, <laughs> Girl, yes. Good riddance to him. Um, and we were talking about like what our boundaries are around like when you want to open up the relationship. Because, yeah, I thought there was like long term. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so like that was like, I guess, an example of that of like someone in a monogamous relationship trying to open it up. And then obviously he broke up with me. So that didn't <laughs> ever happen. But I think that's a good example and like we didn't go into depth about boundaries i just needed to know that he was like okay with it like he's you're open to polyamory right yeah okay <laughs> he broke up with you because you attempted to try to open up the relationship oh no i don't know why he broke up with me he didn't give me a reason it was a half-ass reason that he gave so uh, i don't know the real reason oh god my boyfriend broke up with me because he decided to fuck other guys when we didn't even open it up yet so ha, oh lord that's fun i know right <laughs> also he was like really deep in the closet so uh, i mean it's not an excuse to like you know be a shitty person but eh, whatever i hope he's uh never mind i'll find someone like you probably even better you know in the words of adele <laughs> <laughs> i wish nothing but the best for you as I roll my eyes. <laughs> oh, wait. Also, I just thought about my first love and we had like a, so I was in a monogamish relationship with my first mm -hmm. love, which mm -hmm. was like, what, two years ago? Yeah. 2018, mm -hmm. like two, three years ago, almost three years ago. Mm -hmm. And our boundaries around that, since I don't talk to him and he's blocked on everything, I doubt he will find this podcast. So I'm just going to talk about it because I don't care because um, <laughs> it's in the past. And he's not in my life right now. Right. Um, he, so we decided since we're both queer people, okay, there's certain things that are like, if you want to kiss someone of like similar gender or same gender, that's like not off limits because like queerness. And we both like wanted, that was important to us as queer people of color. And then the other things was like drag, if we went to like a drag brunch or whatever drag show and we happened to kiss a drag queen, sure. Like that was like the way that things were monogamish ish in that way. And those were like our boundaries at the time. I remember it was super cute because we like 
talked about each other's celebrity crushes. That will always be a wholesome memory from that relationship. <laughs> I talked about kissing a drag queen in another episode of this podcast and about how I accidentally got her sick the day after. <gasps> I felt so shitty because I went to a drag show like the day after I just got over a cold only to see her post on her story that she got a cold. Oh no. <laughs> I had the the tip money in my mouth and then she came over and like took it with her mouth and like gave me a little peck on the cheek and I guess that little tiny contact was enough to send her into a load of viral influenza. So I'm like I'm sorry but oh, no. hey, like you got money, right? <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I remember from my mm. first love and having a monogamous-ish relationship mm-hmm. with each other and just being able to embrace the queerness that we both inherently have. So if he's out there, thank you for that. Because mm-hmm. Was that a hard conversation too? I'm trying yeah. to remember. No, it was actually really easy. I oh. think it was really easy because we were both like, Oh, good. Because I, I think, well, we both embraced our bisexuality and queerness, so it was, like, an easy conversation. And, like, I was just like, yeah, well, you're in a different country. I'm not going to stop you. I mean, I can't stop you. You're in Hong Kong. You're across <laughs> the world. Can't do that. Um, oh, I can't do long distance. Oh, that's too. Oh, never again. Oh, God. Yeah, not in a different hard. country. That's too hard for me. That's too difficult. Sorry. But also, like, my relationship style is open relationship. There's just no way I can rely on one guy to meet all of my sexual needs. And Mm. that's too much pressure on a person. And also, like, I hope they don't put that pressure on me. Like, Mm -hmm. I would, as much as I would love to have, like, this idea of a guy to go home to bed to every night, I just, like, I don't want to fuck you every single day for the rest of my life until the day we die. Oh God. No, my body is meant for all. That's why I'm such a whore. I am such a slut. Like <laughs> I want all the dick and every single drop of cum in the entire world inside my ass, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I feel like what I'm exploring now that like, Hey, I'm not in a relationship anymore. Yay. Um, it's actually liberating. Um, like this breakup, I I mean, yeah, I get sad every now and then because I'm more in the connection. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I think it was good that I did not end up with him long term because he could not communicate why he broke up with me. Instead, mm-hmm. he blocked me and ghosted me, which I'm like, really? Ugh, Dude, gross. come on, come on. Yeah, that's come so cowardly. On. It is. Um Two, he was monogamous-minded, and I'm like, okay, this is the... I'm not going to date another monogamous-minded person. Nope. Like, I need to date nope. people who are polyamorous, who, who are non-monogamous, and who, like, understand. Because, like, for me, the most fulfilling relationship structure is, like, when I was, like, I guess technically single, but, like, had, yeah, had some friends with benefits. And, like, that... I remember that summer three years ago. That was so much fun. And I was, like, fucking... Mm-hmm. Oh, one day I fucked five guys in the same day. It was so much fun. Hey, I love that. Oh, that's so all at the same time or like one at no, a time? No, 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 one at a time, but like like you know you know, like when there's a schedule of events, but like it's a schedule of oh, appointments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, I I've been there. Like I literally have a red velvet rope outside my door for people to take a number. <laughs> it's like the deli, no, but better. <laughs> There's only one dish because that's all you need. <laughs> it's this bussy. Hey. <laughs> Just like ass up in the air and then you have like a now serving number 25. <laughs> People just line up to fuck you. <laughs> no, it was like, and then one of the people that I hooked up with and I friends with, well, that I'm kind of friends with now. Um, he like helped me find a Tinder match to fuck. And I was like, that was so hot. I'm like, you know what? I need those types of partners who will find me other people to fuck. (laughs) (laughs) 
type of partnership please. that I want. <laughs> yes, just like pimp me out, please. And then <laughs> if we can start to see this as like a viable business, we're going to start charging for this golden pussy. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. So it sounds like the work that you've been doing with like reassessing yourself and your consent and boundaries, like it seems to really do a lot of benefit for you because you're such a slut, as am I. But like, you know, that that's such a good way that's such a good and healthy relationship with your body and with your mind. Oh, for sure. Like learning about consent and boundaries going beyond sex for myself has been the most empowering thing. For me, because, like, three years ago, I didn't even know what any of this shit was. Like, I I was in a lot of brain fog. I was also in an abusive, emotionally abusive, like, friends with benefit so situationship, relationship, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. And now I have much healthier relationships where I'm, like, <laughs> I literally texted a few friends after he, after this dude broke up with me. And I was, like, hey. If you're in town, do you want to fuck? <laughs> I'm in town. Um, I'm single now. Want to fuck? Want to sleep together? You up? Want to sex? <laughs> do you want to make the sex at my vajuji? <laughs> Your penis inside my mouth now. <laughs> but yeah, it's just been empowering to like. Honestly, this breakup's been really liberating for me. And like it, I wasn't like a creative, like sex educator rut before. And Mm. now I'm like, wait, I'm going to take two weeks off and work on this self published poetry book that I'm going to debut and do this, like, recreate this, like, or rework this offering into like a breakup ritual thing. I don't know Mm. what I'm going to do exactly, but, um, and do something along the lines of like, liberating breaking up with parts of herself and also like breaking up with compulsory monogamy and all these other things mm-hmm. i feel like that would be mm-hmm. like a really fun like either group program or like one-on-one coaching to like do with folks mm-hmm. oh my god that's so good i love everything that we've covered and it's just i hope some people can take away something from this mess of a conversation that we've had but <laughs> if they haven't taken something away what would you like the listeners to at least one message that you want listeners to take away it's okay like it's valid wherever you are in your journey with boundaries and consent because our culture especially in like the u.s and canada like we were not taught about that in school so it's fine to be wherever you are at in your journey at, at whatever age because trust me, everyone's learning. And some people don't even know because like it's never been presented to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And do you have like anything to plug or also like where can people find you? Because I love you having here. I love that you're here. I'm pretty sure the audience is going to want to know more about you. So plug away and drop your handles and everything right now. So my website that does not get suppressed um, is Sydney Ray Chen, S-Y-D-N-E-Y-R-A-E-C-H-I-N.com. You can book a workshop. You can book the Consent and Boundaries Beyond Sex workshop. Would love to host it at your institution. Hey, colleges, stop stop, um, hiring old white ladies to teach us about consent and boundaries because, (laughs) A, it's not fucking relatable, and, B, wouldn't you want a fun 24-year-old to teach you i would want that if i was in college mm-hmm. <laughs> um you can also book me for title nine workshops as well because i have lived experience with that you can the most sustainable way to support me is to join my patreon again the link is in my bio on instagram and my instagram is at s-y-d-n-e-y-r-a-e-c-h-i-n um, so you can find that in the link of my bio. Survivor education for all starts at $5 a month. Um, what else? Oh, also, I am reworking an offering. I don't know when it's going to launch, but I'm thinking late July, early August um, around breakups. So if you want to be part of the market research, you can, again, click the link in my bio for the mailing list. 
I don't know when this podcast will go up, but either way, join the mailing list because I want to get the fuck off of Instagram because I'm so done <laughs> with it. Um, but I do have that offering coming up and there's, oh, there, there's a lot. Oh, and I'm going to be self-publishing a poetry book on breakups that's going to be connected to all of this. I love that so much, Sydney. You're such a wonderful guest. I wish you nothing but the best pleasures in life. And for all of the listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. And I'll see you at the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. Sex Ed with Tim is created and produced by me, Tim Lagman. Music is Aces High by Kevin McLeod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GaySlutClown and at SexEdWithTim. You can also like and follow me on the Sex Ed with Tim Facebook page. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better, you can also support the show on Patreon, where you can get early access to ad-free episodes and more. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut. Mwah! Thank you.